When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Things over there. Yeah, good thanks, Smithy. Good to uh, good to tune in and listen in to the sermon as well. Just had Hamish McLennan on the phone and his uh, truck of lawyers have just pulled up outside our offices, so shouldn't be a problem over here after that little spray, but I think you might be bang on. <laughs> I, think, I think it's... Uh, look, I'm just, uh, I just have a bit of a poke a bit of borax every now and then, but he's, he's, got, an, he's got an interesting menu. Surely all of a sudden, uh, with the news that maybe Eddie's going to come and go quicker than you can imagine... Uh, Of course, you know, again, um, uh, they've got three teams in the quarters, but you wouldn't hold too much hope for anything apart from the Brumbies. So it's it's a bit same old, same old, Matty, without going anywhere. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And and the frustration over here is palpable. But I I will say this, I do have a connection um, going back a few years, Smithy, with Hamish McLennan. He was in charge of Channel 10 over here when I went back. I spent... 11 years of my life at 10 and then I went over to 7 and Hamish was in charge as CEO when I went back there and I did my deal with him, a long-term deal, and I did it face-to-face with him and he was super impressive. I mean, he's got an incredible business mind and, and the one thing that I do know about Hamish McLennan and I said this to my listeners when he stepped into that role at Rugby Australia is they won't be standing still for long. He doesn't mess around. Um, and he he certainly proved that. I mean, he's been out there and he's been shaking the can quite a lot. And over here, mate, a lot of it is to try and rattle the cage of the NRL. I mean, that's, that's sort of priority number one. As weird as it sounds, it, it's about getting a foothold back into the argument and into the conversation. So he did that first step. Then he's taken the Eddie Jones step, as we know. So he's certainly got things going. The question for me is, how long are they going to continue on this on this double-down strategy? Because if you're going to go that hard, you're going to have to go for a long, long time. And, and to your point, if it's only short-term, um, no matter which way you look, well, there's, there's problems. There could be problems up ahead. But like I said, at least things aren't standing still. It's, it's a little bit more entertaining these days in rugby union chatter than it has been over the last couple of years. It's an interesting point. You, you talk about rattling at the NRL. If you, you need a rattlesnake, then Eddie Jones is probably uh, a hell of a, a purchase from that p- point of view. But uh, are we to believe what we're, we're seeing over here? It became a headline over here. Eddie's going to go at the end of the World Cup. Is that, is that what you're hearing too? Well, no. I mean, we're sort of hearing it all together. I mean, the, the thing about Eddie Jones is, as you well know, there's always noise, isn't there? And he likes the noise. So this isn't going to be something that would rattle Eddie Jones or Rugby Australia. So, uh, mate, I dare say that they might have just put this out there just to create a little bit more noise. I mean, who really knows what the situation is? But the short-term fact is that it's all about the World Cup. It's the Bledisloe Cup and it's the World Cup. And Rugby Australia now know more, I think, than ever before that they have to start ticking those boxes properly. What happens after that is... It actually doesn't really matter to Australian audiences at the moment because and Australian fans at the moment because they've got to get that thing right in the short term because it's it's now. The problem for rugby in Australia is not three, four years down the track. It's right now. 
In fact, I would say, I would say it's the last five to ten years. But it's right now, and that's what they've got to fix. So whether Eddie sticks around afterwards is kind of superfluous to the argument because if they don't get it right right now, um, Eddie sticking around or not doesn't really make a difference because they're in a heck of a lot of trouble after. Matty, speaking of uh, having to get it right and fix it straight away, um, that is what uh, Freddie Bradford is going to have oh. to do now, particularly uh, in terms of one of his playmakers, because yeah. it, it seems he's lost Nathan Cleary. Well, Nathan Cleary's out for six weeks at least. I was on air yesterday morning, Smithy, with Matty Johns when the news officially came through. We, we knew on Sunday night, I mean, the way that Nathan left the field, everybody knew that he was in trouble and he's the kind of player that's not going to hobble off if he doesn't need to. So the news broke that he was out for six weeks. I mean, he's out for the series, but the fact of the matter is New South Wales have to win game two to keep the series alive and game two's at Suncorp Stadium. So poor old Freddie... You know when you when you say to people you, you're sticking your finger into the into the hole in the damn wall and and another one pops up. It was that kind of day yesterday. It sounds as though Freddie sticks his finger in to try and fix the Nathan Cleary hole, but boom, 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 all they start mm. popping up everywhere else because the discussion really isn't who fill, who fills the number seven. It's the flow on effect from that because it's there's no like for like replacement with Nathan Cleary. And now the discussions quickly become, okay, well, if we put in Nico Hines at number seven, who's his number six? Is it Luai? Does he stay there? Do we bring in Cody Walker? Or what if we put in Adam Reynolds at number seven? Well, then we need Cody Walker in there. So then what happens to Nico Hines, Dalian Player of the Year? There's all these different combinations and different problems that have come out of the fact that Nathan Cleary isn't there. And Nathan Cleary's a big enough headache to have. Game one... Latrell Mitchell got ruled out a week or so before. And I dare say that New South Wales wouldn't be in the position they were in if Latrell Mitchell was in that side. Game two, Nathan Cleary, the chief playmaker, the best player in the world in the last couple of years, two-time premiership winner, an absolute genius of the game, the man who runs all the show for Brad Fittler, ain't going to be there. It's a massive headache, Smithy, massive. It is a massive head late, uh, headache, I can say. We, we just had uh, the breakfast guys just had along with Sir Graham Love. Of course, he had a stunt there with Brisbane. Yep. Trying to break down the difference in the DNA uh, between uh, a Queensland state of origin side and a New South Wales state of origin side. And Graham Lowe uh, said they're more protective. He felt they're more protective of their, their legacy that they're taking over, of the stars they're taking over from, than perhaps New South Wales are. Would, would you, New South Wales, more, more in depth in terms of their uh, current stars as opposed to Queensland pride in the past? Would, would you sum it up that way? Look, I'm from the southern side of that border, so I, I, I'm... I'm partly of, of that view that I'm sick and tired of Queensland is saying that we've got more pride in our jumper than New South Welshmen. And, uh, and, and because I think that's disrespectful. I really think that that's disrespectful to the professionalism of the players who are playing for New South Wales in particular. You're saying in, in that argument, and this is what Queenslanders get wound up in, that we understand the spirit better and we have more pride in our state. And we have more pride in our jumper. Um, that's being disrespectful to... A whole stack of professional players who have that pride in the blue jumper just as much as those in Queensland. I think history will tell us because if you peel back all that talk, if you peel back all those pre-match speeches and all that stuff about spirit and 
the magic of State of Origin and we get it and you don't. That's all lovely and it's all romantic. State of Origin's won on big moments. It's that simple. And the simple reality is that Queensland have nailed the big moments better than New South Wales. Now, what's the reason for that? I don't think it's because they wake up and think that they've got more pride in their state or in their jumper than a New South Welshman at all. They have just worked out a way to nail the big moments. And to me, that's what New South Wales, that's the secret source that New South Wales have got to figure out. I remember, as you know, I've done a lot in the world of motorsports, Smithy, and, and called a lot of supercars races, especially up there at Mount Panorama. And everybody used to talk about, and I was there, I called his last race there, the magic of Peter Brock at the mountain. Why did Peter Brock understand Mount Panorama better than others? And it was almost like he had this mystical hold over it. You know what it wasn't? He understood the track better. And one of the reasons why Craig Lowndes then became so successful up there was because he sat with Peter Brock. And Brock told him, you nail it here, you nail it there. You hit the mark here, under the bridge, you're under the O in the Holden sign, not under the H in the Holden sign. So it was very, very simple basics that he understood better. It had nothing to do with the mystique of the place and the magic of the place. And Brocky didn't wake up and the mountain gave him a big, beautiful hug and they all sat around giving each other Christmas cards. He analysed it better than anyone else. And I think that New South Wales missed those big moments for whatever reason, and that's where they've got to get back to. You win the big moments, you win state of origin. Speaking of big moments, uh, at the moment, the Broncos appear to be winning most of those uh, in the NRL, Matty. <laughs> <laughs> aren't they? I mean, they've, they're equal top of the ladder and they've still got three buys. I mean, we, we don't really like the ladder at the moment, Smithy, because it's not a genuine reflection of what team is placed in which position at the end of each weekend because some have had the buy and some haven't. But the Bronx are up there and they've still got three buys in hand. So two, four, six points that are still in the bank that they can take in between now and the back end of the season. One of the big questions about the Bronx... Do we trust them? That was going to be the interesting thing. And, and a lot of the experts, and I always defer to the experts in this, a lot of the expert commentators were saying, well, let's trust them around state of origin period. Let's have a look at them when they're starting to play the big teams and they've got a few players out. And let's, have a, let's have a good look at what, they, what they're made of. Well, they're starting to answer those questions. And a lot of that trust is already there. So, yeah, they're, they're the real deal. In fact, Matty said to me, Matty John said to me yesterday, they're starting to look like the Broncos teams of the 90s, of the great teams, you know, of the Alfies, of the Gordy Talluses and that kind of stuff. They're, yeah, <laughs> look out for the Bronx this year. That's massive. Uh, mm. We look at this NRL over here. Clearly, we've got um, a lot of bias and interest in what the Warriors are doing. But mm. we look at this comp. Uh, what are, uh, some uh, teams are around 13, 14 games in is saying it's, it's uh, one of the most um, unpredictable competitions, I think it's to say, rate result by result, we've seen in modern time, in the modern time that we've been following it here. It's been an interesting season, hasn't it? And I think um, part of that is that the teams, the, the unpredictability has come about from the teams that, that we would have thought were predictable from last year and in the off-season and at the start of the season have become those unpredictable outcomes. And your Warriors are a case in point. Unfortunately, over the last couple of years, the Warriors were predictable. They, they were. I called a lot of Warriors games last year right here for SEN and I just saw the same thing over and over and over again. And a lot of it was... <laughs> I, I, 
they just weren't a happy unit. They weren't a cohesive unit. And we all know the reasons why that. And then I called the first game this year and I looked at my co-commentators and went, holy cow, these guys are completely different. So there's one unpredictability that we probably didn't see coming, and I'm so glad it has in the form of Sean Johnson in particular. We've spoken about it in depth here. And then you got the Cowboys, right? So we walk away from last year going, what about the Cowboys? They managed to work out how to have an incredibly hard off-season at the, at the start of last year and turn it into a rock-solid performance, and everybody had them in their top three, top four this year, and somehow the unpredictability has shown that Todd Payton got it probably wrong at the start of this year. So we didn't see that one coming. So there's, to me, that's where the unpredictabilities come in. Teams Mm. that we saw last year who were predictable or became predictable are those that we can't get a handle on this year. And the Cowboys are fascinating. They answered with a smackdown of the the storm on the weekend. But, okay, what happens next time? Have they got that that in them again? Are Are they truly back or not? Matty, here's an interesting one that uh, uh, Freddie Fitler's got to work through now. A lot of people were saying after game one, Tedesco, not there, he's not where he was, got to do without him. I mean, dropping your captain uh, going forward to State of Origin 2 would not be massive. But, yeah. but he bounced back, didn't he? He bounced oh, back mate. at the weekend. Yeah, he, he smashed him. I mean, <laughs> look, Teddy's played 20 State of Origin games and he had one bad game. And, and I'm... I'm all for the fact that you can wake up on a Thursday morning and and say that. I've got no problems with saying it. We said it on my program. Look, he had an off game. There's no problems. I don't think that that leads to critics calling for Teddy to be removed. We had a few texters who said, oh, bloody Dylan Edwards should be there, and Teddy had a shock. He had one bad game, (laughs) and he he rarely has a game in state of origin. So you're not going to drop your captain. You're not going to drop the Australian captain for a start. And if anything, that bad game might be the trigger. Well, it certainly was the trigger for the Roosters. No question about mm-hmm. it. And he spoke about that. The weight of the pressure and the clarity in my mind wasn't there. So maybe he needed that bad game to get him out of his funk um, because he certainly got back into it against the Roosters. And, yeah, Freddie would be hoping that he gets back into it again on this one. But, hey, one out of 20 bad games or off games, not a bad result. Well, we know we get 100% of great interviews out of you, and we've just had one, Matty White, so that's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Hey, mate, you have a terrific day. Uh, on the eve of the World Test Championship oh, final, mate. the Ashes, uh, have you got a, an interesting three months ahead or what? Oh, oh, I tell you, I got a few long nights. I was out walking early this morning in the dark. My wife and I were doing our morning walk, and I said, the test starts tomorrow, and she went, hang on, which one? And I said, <laughs> I said the World Test Championship final rolled into the Ashes. She goes, oh, God, you've got some long nights. I said, no, no, we've got some long nights. Said. I've got Adam Zampa coming up on my show today, so I can't wait to have a chat to Zamps and, and get his thoughts ahead. But um, I'm interested. I'm really interested in the World Test Championship final. I'm, I'm interested to see how much support there is for it over there. Um, and we've been crossing back and forth to the UK, and I'm really interested to see how much they embrace it. I mean, India playing over there is massive. Australia playing over there before the, the Ashes, obviously, is massive. So... I hope it's a big one. I hope that that Test Championship final's huge, and I hope the Aussies then roll them nicely in the uh, in the Ashes. That'll be a great uh, wish come true for your Australians, oh, yeah. Maddie. Uh, hey, fantastic catch up with you, mate. As always, um, have a terrific show. I know I know you will, and uh, we look forward to game uh, State of Origin game two. Massive rater over here as well. Cheers, man. Have a great day. Good on you, Smithy. 
Thank you, Maddie White there uh, out of um, our brother station over there in Australia. Um, and uh, he's uh, up with the play in terms of everything going on in um, the NRL, of course, and particularly across the board in most sports, Maddie. But uh, to be perfectly honest, but yeah, it's uh, got to be a massive turnaround there up there at Suncorp. And they're going to have to do it now without Nathan Cleary. Rugby World Cup is coming to SENZ. We'll have live commentary of all the biggest games, the All Blacks, Irish, French and more, right here. Can we bring the Web Alice Cup home? Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, 9.29 here on SENZ. Kev's come in. Uh, morning, Smithy. I was so happy to see Opie uh, get recognised for his absolute brilliance in racing. Racing are always the last to be recognised. He rode Sakura Girl on Saturday to perfection through 18. Had it in the trail but didn't have the horse. Nabba also Saturday. Brilliant ride in the stakes race to win. Also gave the fearless one a gem of a ride but the horse wasn't good enough. Two fabulous jockeys. That's uh, from Kevin and uh, Tatarangi. I'd uh, love to hear um, your texts uh, or hear your calls as well. In fact, text double eight double three. Your calls though. 0800 is our number. 0800 uh, What do you think, uh, Crusaders fans, of the appointment of Rob Penny? Uh, and then Matt Todd, who incidentally we do have on the show. Matt Todd going in as the assistant to complete the new Crusaders look. Uh, what do you think of it? Tamati Allison staying down there as well. Um, you know, James Marshall what are you thinking of uh, the mix down there in the Crusaders all of a sudden a lot of Crusaders listeners here so love to hear from you there um, what about the prospects for this weekend in terms of the quarters finals we've got the Blues Waratahs uh, on Saturday, oh, sorry on Friday night that's the one game there and we've got this fabulous uh, triple header on Saturday 4.35, 7.05, Chiefs against the Reds can anyone knock over the Chiefs this year particularly can the Reds go to Hamilton and cause a major, and I mean it would be a major upset. The Crusaders against the Drewers. Of course, the Crusaders lost to the Drewer uh, first time up. It was one of the surprises of the competition. There is no doubt about that. Um, but uh, that was in Lotoka on a nice warm afternoon. This is 7.05 on a winter's Christchurch night. Uh, what are we thinking about the result there? Um, and the Brumbies against the Canes. The Brumbies against the Hurricanes. Now, I can see the Hurricanes going there and knocking the Brumbies over. I can. I absolutely can see that happening. Um, and if that was the case, we will be with uh, four New Zealand sides in the quarterfinals. And what does that mean to Australia once again? So uh, let's uh, have, hear your calls. 0800 811. Predictions for uh, the quarterfinals. Thoughts about Rob Penny or anything else? League fans, uh, what do you think now? Nathan Cleary gone with a hamstring, gone, blown apart. No uh, longer part of state of origin anymore, and that will dent Penrith's chances, no, no doubt, too, in the NRL. So uh, plenty for you to call up on after the news here with Aroha here on SENZ. Catch live ball-by-ball ball coverage of the World Test Championship final between India and Australia from 9 tomorrow night on SENZ or the SENZ app. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now. 0800 150 Yes, 0800 is the number. Subjects of your choice um, this weekend, of course, the Super Rugby quarterfinals, uh, the NRL going forward, the uh, State of Origin going forward, Penrith without Nathan Cleary. Can they survive without him? Uh, and New South Wales, as uh, Nico Hines just slots straight on and 
Right, let's get uh, to Zaid. Uh, Zaid's first up this morning. Zaid, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Uh, not too good news. Uh, I think it was yesterday afternoon with the news of uh, Patrick Sweepelos who's broken his arm. So um, not the best news for the Blues um, there yesterday. Uh, I've obviously got the Waratahs on Friday night at um, home, um, which hopefully we should win. But then we have to play Crusaders in the semi-final. I'm pretty sure we do win. Um, but yeah, definitely the uh, Hurricanes are the toughest game going all the way to Canberra with a Brumbies team who's looked pretty impressive this year. Um, and I, 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 I don't think it's going to be an easy task for them. I think the Chiefs will just stroll through the Reds and um, Crusaders will be too strong for, I think it's a Fiji and Drua. So, yeah. And um, yeah. another thing I'm not too... Yeah. And another thing quickly um, not too happy about was the uh, Kaikara France um, decision on Sunday. Um, I think he was pretty robbed. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the fight, but he won- He was all over him in the striking numbers. So I don't know what the judges were looking at. And they gave him the fourth round. They gave Emil Albazi the fourth round, which Kaikara France uh, easily won. So I don't know what those judges were on. They clearly were watching a different fight to what we were all watching. So I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's kicked up a bit of a fight with uh, Israel Asanya. Um, and the CKB team, I'm pretty sure they won't be too happy about it either. So, uh, just uh, getting back to um, the, yeah, I, I read all the comments about that too. Absolutely right, uh, Zaid. Um, Adesanya not too happy. Uh, Kaikara France not too happy and a bit bewildered actually about the whole thing. But uh, yeah. the, the Waratahs, any chance? Any chance of coming over and upsetting the Blues? I don't think so. Well, they, they lost to Moana on the weekend, so I don't think so. Okay, Zaid, uh, fantastic, mate. Uh, thank you very much for your call and your predictions going forward. Um, have uh, a, a really cool week. Uh, let's go straight up uh, further north uh, from Auckland, where Zaid is based, to Paul in Northland. Paul, good morning to you. Okay, um, Smithy, morning, mate. Um, just with the, um, I just want to comment on the origin, but um, the super rugby competition. Um, so, am I? correct in, in saying that you can make the so-called top eight in a 12-team competition? You are correct. You are correct. Yeah, it's a bit of a sort of a contrived kind of a competition. I mean, the Waratahs just lost to Fiji. I mean, they, they haven't got it. Oh, Moana, they haven't got it. They haven't got a show. I mean, it, it's basically it's a two or three horse race when you really drill down into it, isn't it? I think you're right. Uh, I think, uh, and you know, at the start of the season, I'm not quite sure we all would have forecast that the Chiefs would have the run that they've had, but we knew they'd be there or thereabouts. Um, and the Crusaders, this, you know, and I think in Scott Robertson's history, this is the most uh, non-playoff games that they've lost in one count cal- and in, in one season, which is interesting in itself. Yeah, but I mean, every year you can pretty much, you know, you can pretty much pin in. Canterbury and maybe the Blues and, and the Chiefs and, and all the rest good luck to them, the Australians are rubbish Moana's probably won't be there in a couple of years and um, so it's, yeah, it's I don't know, I'm not too excited about it um, but this was uh, I, I think this Cleary injury in the origin might be a blessing in disguise to be honest um, for, so for the Blues do, Does Nico Hines go straight in for you at this point? Uh, no, I'd go with Adam Reynolds. 
simply because he knows Suncorp pretty well. He, he, he's for, obviously he's a Bronco. He, he knows that stadium. He knows the corners. Uh, he knows the turf. He knows the weather up there. So I, I'd go with him and poss- possibly Cody Walker, but I'd probably more lean towards um, someone else. You know, at, at six, I wouldn't go with Lou. I, I just think he's a bit of a show pony. He's a liability. Um, and I don't think he, he goes that well without Cleary. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Paul, thank yeah. you very much uh, for your calls. Uh, uh, anything else to add? Sorry? A- anything no, else no, to add, I'm, mate? I'm glad to see. Uh, yeah, I don't think Tavita Pangai will, will get another start. I think he's he's basically done and dusted. He, you know, there was all the hype about him showing some aggression. And I, I just think that, uh, yeah, he underperformed, so he, he, he won't be there. But I heard the guy you were talking to, Matty uh, from Aussie, regarding um, you know, the jersey meaning more apparently to the, the Maroons. And I, I, I think there's some relevance to that because, uh, you know, you've got Tavita Pangai, you know, who, who grew up wanting to play for Queensland. And, and, and also a lot of those players in the, in the New South Wales team, I, I, I just think that it doesn't mean... You know, I, I just think that there's maybe the Samoan jersey. I'm talking about Luai and some of the others. Probably means more than playing for New South Wales, and it's just a just a paycheck for them. But those are my just my thoughts anyway, mate. Paul, um, appreciate your thoughts. We do as well. Uh, very interesting. Um, your thoughts here on the jersey and the conflicting interests. And uh, Matty White was very, very anti the idea that there's any semblance of more passion. Uh, for uh, the Queensland jersey as opposed to the New South Wales jersey. He just did not buy into that at all. In fact, you could uh, hear his reaction very, very quickly. Uh, Brian, I'd like to bring you in too on the Kaikara uh, Vance situation, uh, Kaikara France. I mean, um, I, I didn't see the fight, but I heard the aftermath and I've read the comments. What did you make of it? Yeah, yeah, no, ripped off. Ripped off. It's like uh, Amir Albazi has Dana White privilege or something. Um so uh, I had it, and most people had it, four rounds to one to Kai. Uh, you could probably argue three rounds to two, but that's still a win for Kai Kata France. Uh, it's very, very strange. Dana sort of in the post-match conference, um, he's sort of, oh, well, you know, it's extremely close. Um, usually when something like this happens and... Dana doesn't like the result. He'll talk about how bad that referee was and they need to get fired. He kind of glazed over it. So it's almost like that was what the UFC wanted. They wanted this new guy from Iraq to um, come in and and win. And and then that brings Iraqi fans across to the (laughs) UFC. So, you know, I think it's just a big money play. He was ripped off. He should feel really, really bad about that. So because of that, we're now for Kaikara France. Well, he's yeah. He's just got to go back down, um, back down the picking order and start again, basically, and make it undeniable. Beat everybody on the way to the belt again, and um, then you won't be able to say he doesn't deserve a shot. So he's basically back to probably square. I wouldn't say square one, but definitely square two. I agree with you in terms of being a business decision. I really do. Uh, opening up a whole new market means a whole lot of new money, doesn't it? It's as simple as imagine if I, an Iraqi was a champion. Uh, man, you can just see what uh, kind of things, you can see the dollar signs lining up in uh, Dana White's uh, uh, eyeballs, literally, as, as, um, as it goes ahead. Uh, we've had uh, two or three more texts in, which is uh, cool. I read in, uh, in uh, Oz News site, Singapore horse racing to cease next year. Uh, this is one for you, Louis Herman, what to explore, I'm sure. 
uh, it w- would knock our bread industry a lot. Singapore horse racing to cease next year. Louis, we'll get you to look into the, the background on that one. Uh, Patrick has come in and said, well, Rob Penny is no razor. I think the Crusaders machine will roll on with Rob's experience and having Matt Todd on board as well as Tamati Ellison still in the mix. I'll be, it'll be happy days in the new indoor stadium. That's uh, Paddy's prediction from Ash Burton. Thanks, Paddy. Kevin's come in and said, I watched the Warriors and the Blues in the weekend. Chalk and cheese. The Blues lack vision. They need a number 10 that is good enough and can read the game. They have a winger uh, on Talia who is a class act but doesn't see the ball. Uh, Number 10, the Warriors were brilliant attacking and defence and their equivalent number 10 is in Sean Say No More. So that's uh, Kevin from uh, Tatarangi saying uh, something we've been saying about the Blues for quite some period of time. Uh, How many people have played in the 10 jersey for the Blues in this campaign alone? Uh, It's uh, quite incredible when you weigh it up, getting that combination right. Uh, Roger Tuovasashek getting some action out of default really. Uh, where does he sit? Will he make the quarterfinal? Did he do enough to make the quarterfinal lineup uh, this weekend? Uh, a lot of conjecture as we uh, continue the show this morning. It's 9.43 here on SENZ. SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram right. at SENZ underscore radio. SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the holder, know when the folder, Smithy's multi, know when to walk away, and know when Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we're a bit stiff the other day um, because we did, uh, in the end, just get knocked over one point in the league. Um, And that really got us going on uh, Friday night. So uh, I was thinking there might be a bit of an upset there, but it was uh, 20 to 19. 20 to 19 West Tigers being uh, rolled there. We got the rest of them up. Uh, we're going to go uh, to the tennis because it's getting pretty serious now. We're into uh, quarterfinal stages and uh, we're going to take Holger Rune. Remember we spoke tennis the other day to a correspondent who said uh, keep an eye on him. Well he's slight outsider to beat Casper Ruud at $1.97 so we'll take that. Uh, later this afternoon we've got the Texas Rangers to beat uh, the St. Louis Cardinals at $1.69. That's Major League Baseball of course. And in the Argentina Cup football uh, Taleras to beat uh, Chacarita. Taleras uh, favourites to beat Chacarita at a dollar fifty. So it's uh, Rune uh, into Texas Rangers into Taleras, and that is a four dollar ninety nine return. Talk about uh, the French Open getting serious. Uh, Djokovic uh, is uh, up against uh, Kashinov. Uh, that's tonight at eleven forty five, and then uh, we move over to. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz Garcia up against the City Pass. Uh, that will be uh, a really interesting one. Number one seed is the Spaniard, of course, but City Pass is a brilliant player. Uh, we've mentioned Holger Rune and Casper uh, Ruud. That's uh, the fourth quarter final. And the third one is the German uh, Zarev. Uh, and he is up against Itchferi. Itchferi is uh, one of the unseeded players to go through. In fact, uh, the only unseeded player to go through to the men's quarters. So um, can there be uh, a bit of a surprise on that side of it? 
The women's side of the draw is also uh, getting uh, very interesting. Uh, at the moment, uh, Swiantek is uh, she's won in a walkover. Uh, Coco Goff is through. Uh, and then we get to the point where Machova plays uh, Pavlu Chinkova, uh, and then also uh, Schwentek will play Coco Goff, and Haddad Meyer will play Angebeur. Angebeur, for me, a bit of a sleeper in this role. So that's uh, all the tennis we've got for you at this stage. Yes, uh, the texter that uh, brought it to my attention uh, about um, the Singapore horse racing industry um, almost uh, in a state where they're going to wind it up at the end of next year. Uh, says it's on an Oz website called Just Horse Racing. That's uh, from Mark. So thanks very much for that, Mark. Uh, we'll keep uh, everyone as updated as we possibly can on that. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, uh, we'll preview what we've got coming up in the next hour. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Shout, shout, let it all out. This could be uh, an Eddie Jones song this morning. Uh, Now we're seeing um, on uh, an article this morning, he says he will see out his contract and coach the Wallabies until 2027 after suggesting on a podcast last week he would walk away after this year's Rugby World Cup in France. He was uh, on that uh, podcast, even standard uh, podcast with former rugby international Lawrence Delalio, who he would know pretty well, you would imagine, for his time in the UK. Um, during that, he said, look, I'm only coaching till this World Cup. I've signed until the end of 2027. But as I've made this mistake before, I've stayed too long. So we win the World Cup, it will be time to go. If we lose the World Cup, it will be time to go. OK, so uh, having uh, been rung by Rugby Australia to clarify this, Eddie's turned around and said uh, all of a sudden, uh, I'm here for five years, but my only concentration is this Rugby World Cup. So I don't think past that. Jones has five tests to get the Wallabies firing before the tournament starts in Paris. Oh, God, Eddie. Uh, what are you doing here, man? I mean, as, as Matty White, as he knocked it on the head, absolutely knocked it on the head by saying, just getting Australian rugby in the headlines as opposed to the NRL and the state of origin. So it's a straight-out play. Interesting to hear from Matty White, too, that Hamish McLennan is a former media man. Um, a very, very highly up media man too in, what was it, Channel 10? So he knows exactly about the media, how to work the media, how to play the media, because he has been the media. Uh, so it's a very, very interesting story, this. Uh, but it looks like uh, Australia and uh, the world of rugby might be stuck with Eddie down under. But then again, uh, we'll wait for next week's instalment and see what that has to say. Coming up uh, in our next instalment, which is our next hour, uh, a decorated man, a decorated jockey comes to us uh, straight after 10 o'clock, uh, Opie Bosson. Uh, this is wonderful. He's had a heck of a month on the back of uh, being inducted into the New Zealand R- Racing Hall of Fame. Opie Bosson goes, uh, becomes NZOM. Um, thoroughly, thoroughly deserved. Do our racing people get the attention they should? Perhaps not. Only the negatives from time to time. Uh, Matt Todd, after 10.30, he's been decorated with a coaching job at the Crusaders. And then later on this morning, we shall be talking to Ian Healy out of Brisbane, 
World Test Championship of Cricket uh, coming up tomorrow night at the Oval. Australia against India. What's Heel's theory on how that will play out? And of course, now that the uh, ashes uh, are not too far away, we'll get his thoughts on that as well. See how it stacks up. Coming up to 10 o'clock here and news with Araha. We'll be back soon. 16 low 9. You can catch live ball-by-ball coverage of the World Test Championship final between India and Australia from 9 tomorrow night on SENZ or the SENZ app. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed your long weekend. If you're lucky enough to get one, King's birthday might take some uh, getting used to saying out loud, but the honours list stayed much the same with some exceptional New Zealanders honoured for their services. We congratulate one and all. Rugby, you know, in terms of the sport, is usually uh, good to get a decent run, and the professor now, Sir Wayne Smith, certainly fits the bill, doesn't it? Falls into line with Sir Graham Henry, of course, and Sir Steve Hansen. It can be a little uh, longer between drinks for the racing fraternity, however. So when it uh, is their turn, it's uh, fantastic uh, that one of our greatest ever to ride a horse was made an officer of the New Zealand Order of Merit and you'd struggle to find a single person involved in the industry who's not absolutely chuffed about that. Owen Patrick Bosson was inducted into the New Zealand Racing Hall of Fame earlier this year and after a lifetime of Group 1s, usually pushing his body to the limits to win them. He's now re- been recognised also in the King's Birthday Honours. And he's with us on the line this morning, Opie. Uh, fantastic news. Um, uh, unbelievable uh, month it's been for you in terms of recognition, Opie. Yeah, it's, um, it has been unbelievable. Um, a little bit of a shock to get the King's Honour, but uh, I'm very, very um, happy for it. Yeah, what does it mean to you, mate? Um, it means a lot to uh, get to be recognised for the achievements I've done in the industry and, and not on a horse, and it's uh, the only job I've ever had. And, um, it's not, not really a job when you love it. Um, but, um, yeah, it's not hard to explain, really. Well, for you, OP in particular, though, uh, you know, most racing people have followed your uh, career f- uh, since day one. I mean... It hasn't been easy. It's not the easiest of industries to work in full-time, and it's far from the easiest job within that industry. And, you know, it, it's been battles from time to time when you've thought, well, is there something else for Opie Bosson? Uh, tell us about those, uh, how, how you've come out the end of those things and where you're at now. Yeah, I've always had a, a constant battle with the, um, with the scales. Um, always on a diet and um, trying to take off weight as quick as I can. And, and it, it, play, it plays on your mind and body. Um, but as you get a little bit older, you tend to slow down a little bit and uh, try, trying to look after the body a little bit better. And um, I'm a lot fitter than I was um, a few years ago, and um, it's paying dividends. Opie, it's Louis here, mate, and you've had lots of different motivations throughout the years with family and, and then the farm that you're still paying off, as you like to tell us each time we catch up. But take us just behind the curtain. How close did you get? To, or have you come uh, to throwing it in with that, the, the weight being the number one nemesis? Uh, there's been a few occasions. Um, I, I actually stopped riding for, say, 18 months uh, back in probably 2003. I played rugby for a season for Matter Matter and uh, <laughs> probably wasn't good enough to get paid to play rugby, so I had to go back and be a jockey. 
How did you enjoy those rugby days, just by the by? Because, uh, I mean, uh, you look at uh, someone else who's uh, pretty noted uh, around the racing industry, Brendan McCullum, that's one of his great passions. Uh, When he gets back, he always likes uh, to play a bit of club rugby and get a bit of fellowship because it would be a different kind of fellowship to the racing industry, wouldn't it? Yeah, it is. I was was brought up playing rugby from about the age of five to to when I um, pretty much started my apprenticeship. Like the boss said to me, you've either got to be a jockey or a rugby player. So, um, yes, I'm glad I went to the racing side. Uh, obviously, you need, um, you know, you need support. It's not one. You, your family's a massive uh, side of things as well. But within the industry, um, you've got relatively close association with uh, Tiakau too, Opie. Yeah, I'm lucky to have Tiakau. I started there um, when I was 14. I was probably even 13 when I was going there in my school holidays. And I'm, I moved over to Tiakau. The matter matter was Stephen Ortridge when I was 14 and done six months of school there before I started my apprenticeship. And uh, David Ellis has been amazing to me. He's been one of my, my, he's been my biggest supporter, and um, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm a retained rider for them. And I, he buys such amazing horses that I get to ride. It's a funny one with jockeys, mate, because you need the horse, but the horse needs the right rider. How do you explain it to people like myself and Smithy when we ask why you're so good? How much of it does come down to the right ride versus the rider? Um, I think you've got to be on the right horse at the right time, um, but it comes down to confidence as well when you're riding. When your confidence down, you're not willing to take enough risks and stuff like that, so I'm, I'm picking a lot of confidence is a huge thing, but um, and I, what I try and do is go out there and be relaxed and um, try and cut as many corners as I can and give my horses the easiest run so, so they, they've got a big strong finish at the end. So, Opie, there is such a thing as form for jockeys. We hear the commentators and the and the experts such as saying, geez, going through a great patch of form. So, there is such a thing like golfers have good form, bad form. Jockeys, you'd say, have form. I think so, yeah. Um, as, as I said, confidence is the biggest thing and there's nothing, nothing more motivating uh, than riding winners and um, even even a maiden winner, just, it just gives you that boost for the day um, on, a, on a day out if you get a, get a winner earlier on. You've had a bit of practice at winning. I reckon 90 Group 1s is the total that they seem to have for you at the moment and we'll ask about your goals in a bit. What's a horse that you just... You love. Do you, whenever anyone asks you one of your favourites you've had a combination with, what's a, a horse that you just are very, very grateful to have had a partnership with, Hope? Um, well, Melody Bell was, is, uh, is one of them. Um, not many horses have won as many Group 1 races as her, and, uh, and to be associated with a, a horse like her is just pretty much a dream come true for a jockey. But there's also it, it, Mongolian Khan, which is going to be my biggest winners. Uh, two derbies and uh, Caulfield Cup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Mongolian Khan is an absolute beast, mate. Um, and what about days? Because I remember when Jamie was heading up to Hong Kong, was trying to, you know, prize out of him what his favourite day on a racetrack was in New, in New Zealand. And he actually said, what's well, probably in Australia when you guys a few years back did the Tiako Shark Probable Double. I mean, that was such an amazing day. I think it was Derby Day back here in New Zealand. Is, is that one of your favourite memories on a racetrack? Because I think as a punter, that was just so special to watch us go over there and dominate. And it must have been pretty cool because you had Brendan and Joe involved. You had, obviously, David and Karen. And it, it was just a big celebration, really. 
Yeah, it was um, that that was a, a remarkable day. Really, it's, it's hard to win in one group, one in Australia, let alone win two, two in one day. And um, just they, they are very, very good horses too. I've been lucky to be associated with them. But my, my favourite day of racing is the crack a million night. Um, I just love the, how the crowd gets in behind it, and it's even better when you win them too. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, Opie, have, have you ever? I mean, do you still confide? I mean, as you say, ninety group ones down the road. Um, do you do you still confide in other jockeys for or previous jockeys? I mean, have you have you lent on anyone and that kind of thing over the course of your career for advice, etc.? Ah, uh, yes, I, I'm a believer. You never stop learning. Um, still ask uh, senior riders like that, that, if, well, that have retired now but had, had a ride a race race course and uh, that I've never ridden at and, um, I even give Michael Walker a ring the other day to how to ride Adelaide because I've never ridden there before and um, yeah I'm a great believer and you never stop believe, uh, stop uh, learning so uh, Opie let's uh, look at um What's on the plate for you in terms of numbers? I mean, uh, I play with one of the great numbers men in the world, Richard Hadley. He was motivated by the next the goal, and often it was might have been the next ten test matches, the next uh, fifty wickets, or whatever. What are your goals now, Opie, going forward? Because you've you've pretty much done it all. Um, I I one hundred percent want to ride a hundred Group One winners. Um, hopefully, I can get that done quick as possible and then um, and reassess after that and um, after riding I'd, 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 I'd like to give back to the industry um, some, somehow but um, but I'm also I love the farming type farming as well so I wouldn't mind going down that road as well Is there one one race in particular you would still uh, that's on the agenda that you would dearly love to have on your resume one race still to get I'd love to win the Cox Plate I think it's the ultimate wait for age race around, and uh, yeah, that, that, that'd be a big thrill to uh, to pull that off. I ran third on it, in it on uh, Tiakau Shark, and he drew the outside barrier and had to go back, and um, he, it was a huge run that day. So I wouldn't mind it going a couple better. That was huge. Didn't you end up coming up the inside, or was that in the Japanese mare won it? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, I. I was pretty much talking to the people in the grandstand. That's how wide I was from the barrier. Oh, draw. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had to go back, and we got a beautiful run up the inside, but would it would have been nice if we were probably four or five lengths closer in the running. Oh, I mean, that's just a... He was a marvel, wasn't he? All right, Opie, we'll let you crack on. You're, you're off for a spell, are you, on a bit of a holiday through winter, or are you going to keep riding? Um, no, we're just... Uh, family and I just at the Gold Coast now. We got here last night, so Max and I are just on the beach at the moment, so... Just enjoying a bit of sunshine, actually. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, uh, Opie. Um, we, uh, as racing fans back here in New Zealand, uh, congratulate you on all your uh, accolades that you're receiving, and uh, we know that you're, you know, you're worth every single one of them, um, but we uh, honestly don't want you to give up riding yet. So we'll, we'll be along there for those next uh, 10 group ones and maybe a little bit after as well. Have a, have a terrific holiday, mate. Never one better deserved. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Opie Bosson there, folks. That's uh, Opie Bosson, N-Z-O-M, just by the by. Um, and, uh, man, uh, you can, I, I like to hear that. Um, still, uh, as soon as I said uh, to him, uh, anything still to achieve, hell yes, 100 Group 1s. So, I mean, that's going to take a little bit of time to achieve unless he has a great run of form as such and gets on some great horses. So, 
we're probably looking in 10 group ones we're probably looking at a couple of years at the very least aren't we uh, to be fair yeah i think a couple of years maybe two three years is probably right on the clip that he seems to win them with tiako look the the beautiful thing for opie is he's the the best rider we have and he's got the firepower because of that um you know david goes to the sales and will buy just you know the best bloodstock and he gets first choice to ride it and I, I actually read I don't know whether it was on Twitter or somewhere but somebody some punter summed it up beautifully um, in the wake of this most recent acknowledgement he said when Opie chooses to ride your horse whether it's out of a group of yearlings whether it's out Tiako has a four in a race and Opie gets on you actually feel special and I personally totally agree like th- when you get the great one he sits on your horse you feel not invincible but you feel a level of honour because he has been around for so long and he's just one of the most talented reinsmen you ever you ever get. His hands, his patience and his timing in a race, it's really quite a privilege to have watched him for so long, Smithy. And he's not going anywhere now. He's just sunning himself on the beach with his wee boy Max and Emily will keep him on the straight and narrow long enough to get those 10 group ones. I'm absolutely certain of it. Yeah, um, absolutely brilliant. Um, and we uh, congratulate him as we do. Uh, one of your favourite sons down there, and, and um, Wayne Ross Smith, of course. Uh, Wayne Smith um, Potararu, uh, Potararu born and bred, and um, uh, just saying there is a, a skinny young kid playing in bare feet that um, he never thought that um, life would, who would ever expect, you could have expectations, you have dreams as a kid, uh, but who would ever taught, would have considered that Wayne Smith would become perhaps now the most respective man in the authority and the knowledge of the game in New Zealand, I, I think it's fair to say. So, um, you know, uh, he's been Crusaders Hall of Fame, just as Opie was racing Hall of Fame, and now, of course, he gets uh, that entitlement, CNZM. Terrific for Wayne Smith. Yeah, he's, you're right. He has almost become the... What do you what do you call that? He's almost like the ombudsman for rugby, really, isn't he? He's like the he's the the chief. He's the top of the pops at the moment. Anything, any question, any query, any concern, it's almost like Wayne Smith's the backstop now, and he's just totally deserved that, that night came being made. Night came a little bit later than some of his contemporaries, but I don't think he'll mind. And I thought that was as well deserved as you can get. Um, I know people. Some people have like to have you know fire a pot shot about the uh, the honours list, Smithy. I'm, I'm, I don't really doesn't wind me up too much. I just think he's a legend. So is Opie. And isn't that funny? They're both in the Hall of Fame. A little bit of synergy there. It absolutely is. Um, absolutely, that fact. Also, of course, Andy Leslie going in there as well into um, um, receiving an award. Uh, Rohe DeMont, um, of course, uh, captain of uh, the Black Ferns. Absolutely fantastic for her. Um, and uh, I'm just uh, going down them now. Michelle Hooper, services to sport, um, one of the leading women's administrators in sport in this country. Um, uh, without any doubt at all, there's no... Um, no qualms there at all, and they're never ill with these things. Uh, Andrea, uh, Andrea Nelson for services yep. to sport as well. Uh, to um, Victor Lewis Pitahi. Now, Vic Pitahi is a famous name in golf in New Zealand. Uh, he gets one for services to golf in particular and uh, to the Māori community. Amy Satterthwaite, another one, another Cantab down there. Um, of course, just retired from uh, international cricket. Perhaps I was... Um, very disappointed along with a lot of people that perhaps um, she didn't 
get the opportunity to go out on the note she would with um, the white ferns, but uh, she didn't. Um, and so Amy Satterthwaite being recognised there. Uh, others, of course, uh, Derek Shaw um, for his involvement in the athletics. Kennedy Simon, of course, uh, one of the co-captains of the Black Ferns, highly respected. Congratulations to her as well. John Sims for karate. I may have missed uh, one or two, uh, but I think it's fair to say uh, they covered a lot of bases and made a lot of people uh, worthy of uh, their recognition in the sports that they have uh, achieved. And so congratulations, one and all, particularly uh, because we're a sports show, to those uh, in the sporting side of things. Uh, well and truly deserved. And you'll always go down in history as the first King's Honour uh, for 70 years, over 70 years in itself. That says something. 10.19 here on SCNZ. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Mick Delivery. The Run Home. Back today from 3pm on SENZ. The Rugby World Cup is coming and it's also coming to SENZ. Catch commentary of all the biggest games right here. It all starts September 9th. Download the SENZ app today. Brand are experts in agriculture. Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's always a great uh, time of the year on the other side of the world if you want to watch live sport. But, of course, um, if you want to watch it back here in New Zealand, you're going to have some late nights. And, uh, of course, we uh, include here, as uh, Kevin has reminded us, uh, the uh, June, July, August uh, situation, particularly with the World Test Championship, which begins at the Oval uh, tomorrow night, our time. Uh, Then, of course, you've got the Ashes uh, beginning on uh, June 16 uh, at Edge Baston. Uh, It's going to be fascinating just to see how uh, that kind of thing um, unfolds, really. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, ups and downs. There's not a lot between the two sides. It's about the attitude between the two sides, and we know what uh, England are going to do, but they're going to have to do it now, Louis, uh, without Jack Leach. Um, So Brendan McCullum's go-to spinner, and for Ben Stokes, is no longer available to them during the series. So... What does that mean for England? Uh, what does that mean for their chances? And what does that mean for the kind of surfaces now uh, that Stokes and McCullum want the ground staff to come up with? Does it mean that perhaps they will say to them, um, we haven't got a specialist spinner, a recognised test spinner, we have to go greener, leave the grass a bit longer and take the monsema of the seamer? Or does it mean that we just um, pick a guy and just uh, go with our original plan? That to me will be uh, interesting what's going through Baz's uh, thought plan right now. Moe Nelly has been approached, and the the mail is out of the UK. He's considering a return to Test cricket, so he's taking it very seriously. He has not played since September 2021, and has not actually played first class cricket since. He's very much become one of the linchpins in white ball cricket. Uh, what a turnaround that would be! What a comeback that would be! Because as you say, that I mean, the alternative thinking would be why not pick another, another seamer? It could even be a, a man, Josh Tung, and um, that'd help take the burden off Ben Stokes on this very dodgy knee. 
if they could get Mo and Ali up to speed, if they get him in the right frame of mind that he wants to play, they can get him up to speed uh, very quickly. Uh, he is a um, very, very good off-spin bowler. Um, he's been out of, the, as you say, out of first-class cricket, so long-spell bowler, no, he hasn't been one for quite some time. But uh, he is terrific. And what it would do, I mean, Jack Leach is a genuine number 10 or 11 with bat in hand. Mo and Ali could open the batting in test cricket. Uh, he is fantastic. So all of a sudden you've got Johnny Bairstow at seven and Mo yeah. and Ali at eight. And uh, Australia is staring at a really long batting lineup. If they don't make earlier inroads, they're thinking, God, we're staring down the barrel of four, five, six hundred here. And we haven't even got a wicket. And what's more is they're going to try and do it in a very quick uh, space of time. So that would be a great get if they were able to get him. Um, if not, they have to proceed uh, with someone who we don't know too much about. So that is interesting. Crusaders now, um, we are going to proceed uh, in the future with someone we do know quite a bit about and one of Canterbury's favourite sons and uh, Rob Penny. Rob Penny, legend. He played uh, over 100 games for Canterbury. Just going back this morning having a look, I, I had no idea it was that many. He's more my... Our father's generation, I think, through the 80s there. And uh, seriously, w- I, I think this is a good get now I've had time to compress it. It's been pretty much an open secret for a week or so now. Now, he's not going to be a like-for-like razor replacement, which I think is perfect because you just don't replace Scott Robertson. You don't replace his personality, his drive, the way he man manages. But hopefully you can replace his winning culture he's built. And Rob Penny actually taught Razor at winning culture a wee bit because he worked under him for Canterbury when they won four uh, NPC titles in a row. Razor then went on to take them to another four or five. After that, he was there with Robbie Deans. He's got all of the connections to the place, to the building, and... I think the key here is look at the assistants and now Tamadi Allison, who's been highly touted. Um, you've got Dan Perry and James Marshall, who seem to have done solid enough jobs this year. And Matt Todd, who is a legend of the Crusaders, and um, from what Izzy has told me throughout the years working with him, understands the, the finer details of forward play as well as anyone he ever played with in his career. So I like the mix. I think for this time and place, Rob Penny is a very good solution. It wouldn't have worked for every Super Rugby franchise and for every Super Rugby vacancy, but I think for this one, it is the fit, Smithy. And the other thing we hear out of the Crusaders all the time is family. Once you're in the Crusaders family, uh, once you're admitted into that family, if you're an outsider in particular, uh, you get to understand the way the Crusaders do things, and it's a very, very tight unit. And for that reason, uh, Rob Penny is a good fit too, a really good fit. Because he is Crusaders family, he's Canterbury, Canterbury through and through. And so is the man we're going to talk to next. You've already mentioned him, Matt Todd, who has been also appointed to that coaching staff as an assistant. It will be Matt Todd's first crack at coaching. He's going not through club rugby, not through NPC rugby, but to a very authoritative position in a champion franchise, or will they be a champion franchise when he joins them? I guess that's uh, the question on the plate as well. It is 10.30, Matt Todd next. 1476 AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. 16 low 9. You can catch live ball by ball coverage of the World Test Championship final between India and Australia from 9 tomorrow night on SENZ or the SENZ app.
Well, the Crusaders have uh, nailed their man to the cross to fill next year's uh, head coaching vacancy and appointing Rob Penny to take over from Scott Robertson. They have a formula in Christchurch. They like their own, and Penny is certainly that, being a centurion for Canterbury as a player before leading them to a stack of titles as a coach. He also worked under Robbie Deans in Super Rugby in the mid-2000s. But that wasn't the only personnel appointment made uh, with the Crusaders legend Matt Todd announced as an assistant coach on Rob Penny's staff. Uh, Matt has recently been playing up in Japan. He's on the line with us this morning and an exciting morning for yourself, uh, no doubt. Matt, good morning to you and congratulations. Morning, Todd. Thanks very much. It is you know, exciting. Um, it's a great opportunity here, doesn't he? And, um, you know, great group to be working with as well. Matt, uh, 72 games in the Canterbury uh, jersey, but uh, 140, 140 games for the Crusaders. When you're left on your travels, did you imagine this might be on the radar? No, nah, certainly not. I guess, you know, when I left, I thought it was quite on the edge of my involvement with the Crusaders, but, you know, just sort of last few years unfolded and I started to get involved with some coaching and certainly last year coaching Canterbury and that, I guess it gave me a taste of it and I really enjoyed it and, um, I guess just the way things panned out with availability, availabilities coming up, that um, this opportunity presented itself. As you say, you, you know, you, you dipped your toe in the ocean with uh, Canterbury last year, um, but this is, uh, this is next level. Um, you got any, any nervousness about the whole deal? Yeah, absolutely. And I've spoken to a few people about it. It's like, how do you know if you're ready to coach at this level and that? And, you know, the kind of answer is, you don't until you get in there. And I guess you've just got to trust yourself and, and trust those that made the selection that they know what they're looking for and um, they think that they'll complement the group nicely and, and will work nicely as a, as a cohesive coaching group. Does that mean uh, for you, Matt, that the, the playing days are officially over? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I guess, you know, that's part of the decision. Uh, but I'm happy to you know, hang out in the boots. I was very fortunate the career I had so when this opportunity presented itself um, to be able to be back involved with the Crusaders it was too hard to do down so yeah the phone made the down and dust the boots we hung up. So what makes for you uh, how much involvement have you had with Rob Penny over the years what makes him for you uh, a good fit in the job um, as your boss? He was my first Canterbury coach when I first debuted for Canterbury coach before three seasons um and I think he's just he's a good people person. He understands, um, you know, people well, which is a massive part of, I guess, being a head coach is that people management. He's got great experience all around the world. Um, and, he, you know, he's had some probably learnings. Obviously, his last into the Waratahs and Super Rugby didn't go well, but he would have learned a lot from that. And I think it's those experiences that you, you need to call on and having someone who's gone through a lot, who's coached in, you know, coached up a month, who's coached in Japan, Australia, New Zealand. He's got a a good uh, feel of the global game and um, understands the game well and understands people well. Matt, you've only been in the role for five minutes. In fact, you're not in the role yet because there's still the the current season to um, to uh, play out as such. But uh, what do you uh, ascertain will be your specifics with within the role? Yeah, I guess we're still, like, we haven't had in-depth discussions because, like you say, the other groups, you know, they're well in the mix of important time and their half time. So 
Um, but a bit around the breakdown, a little bit of defence stuff and some loose forward stuff. So kind of a little bit across those three areas. But without nutting out the real detail, I guess that'll come once we sit down as an actual collective group. Hey, Matt, Louis here, mate. Congratulations. Um, it's awesome. And we hear so much about the Crusaders being, and Smithy uh, alluded to it before the break, being a family and, and people understanding what the region's like. Um, you've obviously a, a local lad. And could you just give us an insight as to why that is and why that has been throughout your playing days? Why is it such a connected place down there at Rugby Park? And why do you think the people that appoint these roles like yourself look for their own? Yeah, that's a good question, Louis. Um, I guess, you know, like, you, as you come into the Crusaders, you're, you're welcomed in like a family, and that's, I guess, said down from the older guys that have been there, so everyone, when they come in, they kind of get that family feeling, that family understanding. And it's also um, the people's families are really welcome and included, so everyone feels a part of it, the partners, the kids, um, they're encouraged to, to be down there and, and enjoy it. You're all on that journey together, so I think that makes... Everyone feel welcome, makes them feel really connected, makes them feel really involved, and uh, you know people just. And it's a place people are coming into work each day, and that's I think a big one. When you love what you're doing and you're happy to be in there, it gets the best out of you. Matt, I, I, I find it interesting too that when you come into this role. Um, all of a sudden, you're going to have to, I won't say you have to build an ethics because they're there, but you might have to build a squad because um, when Razor goes, of course, and uh, his uh, fellow assistants, uh, Scott Hansen, etc., go as well, uh, you're going to lose a lot of head playing staff in terms of that as well. You're going to have to start building, rebuilding some, I guess, some top-end Crusaders. Yeah, absolutely. You know, real legends of the jersey leaving, and like so, with Razor and Scotty Hanson, what they've achieved, and you know, hopefully, will achieve um, this season. You know, there's a lot of you know very successful, very smart people leaving. Um, but I think it's when, when someone leaves, it's an opportunity for someone else to step up, or it's not even one person; it's a collective group to step up. And the Crusaders have gone through, I guess, these kind of times before they've lost a lot of players or experienced players have moved on and there's still going to be a good core of experienced guys there and then there's an opportunity for exciting young talent to come through and um, you know I guess they're kind of they're always planning you know years in advance of talent coming through so you want to keep everyone as part of the business of filling out these overseas opportunities and people go and an organisation like the Crusaders they They've planned you know, as much as you can. Obviously, some people you can't plan for, but they're always thinking about who's coming through next, who's that next player to step up. And when people do leave, it's an opportunity for someone to, or some, a bunch of people to step into a new role and grow as a player and grow as a person. Yeah, that's awesome. Makes a lot of sense. Hey, how would you how would you stop the Chiefs, Toddy? How would you, how would you make Damian McKenzie's life absolute nightmare out there, especially at the breakdown? Yeah, they've been playing very well, haven't they? I think it's just you've got to control the ball that you get when you get opportunities. You've got to be accurate with your ball. And I think the breakdown is a big one. I think it's fastball is very dangerous to, to stop and he can dictate to you. But if you can slow that breakdown down, 
Mikey's getting messy ball. He's now on front foot. Um, it's going to be a big part. So who, who can win the breakdown through this playoff period is going to go a long way to winning the title. As a player, Matt Todd, you uh, just get on, roll your sleeves up and get the job done. What kind of personality do you think um, that you're going to be as a coach? Are you, are you going to be um, a hard guy? Are you going to be behind the scenes? Are you going to be evident? What, what kind of personality are we going to see from Matt Todd? Well, I think it's just about being yourself in that, and I guess just, um, you know, you want to be approachable as a person, and the more you can connect with your players, get around the speed of, of where they're at and how you can help them. So I think that's the biggest thing, you've got to be open to your players and be approachable and, and be well-connected with them. And, and I guess, you know, go back to, you know, what you stand for, and that's a hard-working coach, and, and expect that from your players, but also understand, you know, where they're at and, and what they need. You know, because throughout the season, players, I guess, fluctuate, you know, physically and mentally and emotionally. And that. So just having a good understanding of the players and what they need on a week-to-week basis. Oh, I would imagine whilst you've been away, you've kept a pretty close eye on, on Super Rugby, Matt. That seems to be the way these days. But from the, the Matt Todd playing days, uh, you know, as I say, over 140 games for the Crusaders, to the Matt Todd coaching days. Do you think loose forward play has changed um, at all in that, with the, the rule changes, etc? I think there's, there's still like a lot of the core same stuff. You know, the game it tweaks from, from time to time when sort of rule changes are brought in. Obviously, the, the big one now is, is with shoulder, you know, any head contact or any you know, potential head contact, clean-outs and all that. So you just got to be a lot more accurate. The, room, the margin for error is a lot smaller, I think. So particularly going to these playoffs, you know, like a, a card can be a very defining moment in the game. So um, I think that's a big one. Also, you know, the, the jackal potentially doesn't get rewarded like it used to. So to be able to influence the breakdown in other ways or um, throw the ball down without necessarily being able to get your hands on the ball, that's changed a little bit, but I think, you know, for, for a large part, it's still the same. You still want to be able to, as new sports impact the game across the park in, in many different ways. You can't be one dimensional. You've got to, as a trio, collectively work together and be able to impact the game in a broad uh, way of, you know, broad areas. Won't it be nice, um, you know, um, and I'm, I'm forecasting that you will be in the job when you run out onto a new stadium in Christchurch after. Um, having to put up with uh, what you have uh, since basically since the days of the earthquake. Well, what a carrot that is for a, a Crusaders fan, a Crusaders staff member. Oh, it'll be an amazing month um complete. You know, not just for rugby, but for Christchurch as a city, for you know, Canterbury's region. What they'll bring to the city and the area is massive. But yeah, the Crusaders have to play their home games in that stadium. Was it 2026, I think? That, um, yeah, it's finished. So still, still a few more years of the Addington Stadium, but to know that it's around the corner and um, you know what it'll do for the city is, is massive. Matt, as a former All Black, uh, of course, um, no one will ever uh, write off an All Black's uh, chance of doing anything. But uh, who are the biggest for you? The biggest hurdles to win this World Cup this year, as such, when you look at world rugby. The hang is probably. Um, the most even World Cup has ever been. The amount of teams that are genuinely capable of winning it. Um, obviously, you look at Ireland and France and what they've done through the Six Nations, their building and 
for the sake of what I'm pretty sure those teams, you know, France being the host nation and Ireland having not been successful at World Cups, so how they deal with that will be interesting. You know, South Africa always there. They, their game's built for World Cups and pressure knockout footy and they, they're still an experienced team and guys that have won, you know, won the last World Cups and know what's required. And then the unknown, I guess, Aussie with Eddie Jones here, what are they going to look like? England, same thing, Norwich coach. And so there's a lot, it's an exciting tournament. It's, I guess, real feet sitting from me there, but it is genuinely there are sort of six or seven teams that have got a genuine chance of winning it and get hot at the right time. Could be real jumping well in the year. Well, Matt Todd, by the time the World Cup's over, you will be well and truly ensconced in your new job in terms of recruiting and assembling squads, etc. So uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, great news uh, from a Canterbury Rugby perspective as well that you managed to come back to the family where you na- made your name. We wish you all the best. Uh, Matt, we'll talk again in the future. Thanks for your time. Thanks, really. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Matt Todd there, folks, uh, appointed um, Rob Penny as head coach and straight away uh, Matt Todd goes in as assistant coach uh, alongside Dan Perrin, he goes in alongside James Marshall and of course Tamani Allison so there's a wealth of experience there but it will be a different way it can't be Razor's Ray, Razor's Way, it can't it, uh, that was such a unique and it's not over yet such a unique style and a, new, a unique era but it can be Rob's Way, it can be Rob's Way Matt Todd will be part of that 10.45 here on SCNZ The SCNZ app Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. Anytime. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Nine minutes away from 11 o'clock this morning, loveracing.nz. Uh, we got plenty to look forward to through the winter period, but I guess, Smithy, the sad news today is yes, we're waking up to this news around Singapore racing and... The disappointment that is that it's shutting down in, a, in rapid fashion as well. And it's sad because we've got Kiwis up there. Donald Logan we spoke to at the Goodwill on Saturday. Uh, we've got Stephen Gray, of course. Um, Tiako have a huge presence up there. John Galvin does a lot of trade up there for Fortuna. I mean, it goes on, really. We've had so many different jockeys through there. Craig Grills was riding there a couple of weeks ago. Opie did a stint up there. Um, Clado went over there and did some filming once upon a time. Like, there, there's so many different tie-ins to New Zealand racing and I guess the export market and the bloodstock side of it is a massive one ready to run such a a profitable part of our industry and those Asian markets invaluable really so we can follow the story I don't know how on earth they're going to wrap the racing up before October 2024 and you know safely and humanely look after the people and the animals up there I, I was quite shocked and I think a lot of people were shocked it was a bit of a kick in the guts to hear that Singapore racing is closing down that sort of speed. So we'll uh, keep our eyes across the story, Smithy, and maybe even chat to some people in the coming days, eh? Well, it just must be just hemorrhaging, uh, Louis, to be fair. And I, I guess they just want to uh, minimise I suppose, minimize the, 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 the amount of pain that they're feeling as such. But 
As you say, the ramifications um, a little bit deeper than just a day at the races, a little bit deeper than the horses lining up. Um, and it's had a pretty strong history. Um, you know, certainly it's uh, not Hong Kong, it's not Jap- Japan, but probably number three over there in terms of Asia. And I would have thought that um, that's quite scary, quite scary for the, the industry. We talk about changes having to be made here and uh, various aspects of the code, of course, and um, our industry is now entering an exciting phase with Entain as such. But <coughs> over there, um, you know, the, the stakes are pretty high as well. Uh, so for them, uh, I think um, very scary indeed. So all of those New Zealanders are involved in that. We, uh, we hope that... Um, uh, they come out of, out of it okay and they have uh, a direction to head in. It's 10.53. SENZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Call anytime, 0800 150 811. SENZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Call anytime, 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, 10.58, we're going to cross to uh, Brennan Popwell at the TAV Pops. What's in store for us today? Hey, Smithy. Yeah, well, around the French Open, we've got uh, a number of options to look forward to tonight. One ticket plays against Coco Golf. Uh, 25 is around uh, winning that two love in terms of sets betting. That's been very popular for multi punters. And then, of course, as you roll into uh, tomorrow, to see Novak Djokovic has compete. Kareem is two dollars to win the French Open, and uh, Djokovic too, around two dollars and fifty cents in outright market. So we'll see them play in their respective matches. And, of course, we look towards the World Test Championship final tomorrow. And Australia well found in the market here at a dollar eighty-six. India 2.55. Brendan Popwell there from the TAB. Thanks, uh, Pop. Short and sweet today. Um, and, yes, that World Test Championship is on our mind, even though we're, no, we're not in it. We are the holders of the mace. Ross Taylor flying over there to hand it over at uh, some point to the, the winning captain. But um, in prospect of that, going to about to hear the most intelligent cricket conversation. I ball by ball coverage of the World Test Championship final between India and Australia from 9 tomorrow night on SENZ or the SENZ app. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
11.04, yeah, and start me up. Uh, that's what uh, both cricket teams will be saying at the Oval uh, tomorrow, our time. Uh, when the mace goes up for grabs, of course, we hold it. We are the inaugural holders. That'll never change, but we're not going to hold it this time round because it'll be between Australia and India, the World Test Championship final. Uh, the Oval has uh, got a reputation as being uh, one of the fairest cricket pitches in the world. Over the years, it has always brought in all aspects of the game. Time for the quicks, time for the batters in between, and then a challenge against spin towards the end. It is one of the most perfect pitches for this kind of uh, battle, you would assume. So, uh, yes, it's to the Oval we head for the cricket. It's to Brisbane we head now uh, to the cricketer and uh, the voice, too, of the breakfast show over there in Brisbane alongside Paddy Welsh. A former Australian cricketing great, and I mean that with uh, sincerity. Uh, terrific, absolutely terrific. Ian Healy, good morning to you. Thanks for joining the show. Good morning, Smithy. You're more than welcome, mate. It was, what was it, two years ago we watched you guys go around in there? Yeah, exactly right, and uh, we were jubilant on it. Just before we get stuck into that, Heels, uh, just the other day it was the uh, 30th anniversary of the worn ball, the worn magic ball, the ball of the century, they called it. You saw it from uh, first hand. Uh, what are your memories of that, man? Well, it's very vivid. I, I can still see the ball. Um, and it, it just it swung in quite a lot, quite viciously, quite sharply. The more revolutions he got on the ball, it swung into a right-handed batsman. And Gat was then just a little bit slow in all his movements because he, he hadn't seen much or heard much of this bloke. You know, when he got smashed around against Worcester, in the lead-up to that test. Um, and, and so it swung in, and then I can still remember, Gat, Gat wasn't moving his foot far enough or fast enough, and then his back lift was still up. It should have been coming down. I'm thinking, he's going to miss this, and, and it just came through and just clipped the off stump. Didn't make much of a noise. He thought I'd, I'd sort of knock the bales off or something, but, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was just enough. We'd seen just before that tour in New Zealand... Warney really bowled some violent spinning leggies that swung in and spun away a lot. You, you might even remember them, you know, Kenny Rutherford round his legs, uh, batsman missing the ball by six inches, those sorts of things. So we knew it was all in there, but give us a break. First ball on English soil. That's unbelievable, wasn't it? It was absolutely staggering. It was, as they say, the ball of the century. I'm not sure we'll see one of those in this Test match coming up, but we're going to see the two best qualified teams to play in this World Test Championship final. They're not there out of accident, um, Heels. So uh, no Josh Hazelwood, and uh, I guess uh, that's a very familiar headline to Australian cricket fans. He's had a lot of issues both home and away. Uh, so Scotty Boland in. Yeah, yeah, Scotty Boland, he's done extremely well. You can't do any better than uh, than a replacement uh, bowler, and he's done. Um, so he, he'll enjoy that. Yeah, it's, it, nothing seems to be healing for Josh Hazelwood. He's had a niggling Achilles, which they, they haven't overplayed, but it just doesn't go away since the Sydney test. Um, and then this side injury, which he came home from the IPL saying it was nothing, and test revealed nothing. So, but it's kept him out of a World Test Championship final. So it is a worrying thing. If he can't make uh, the first Ashes Test, which is only the end of next week, um, I, I think they might move on for some time. Right, let's look at Australia's likely lineup now that Boland goes in for Hazelwood. 
what we're looking at, uh, I'll read them out. You can um, disagree with me. Yep. Warner Kawaja, Labashane, Smith, Head, Green, Kerry. There's your top seven. Are you run with that? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I just look at that and I don't think there's too many weaknesses apart from the, you know, the relatively recent form of David Warner. I think that's as bad as good as you can damn well get. Yes, and and you know Usman Khawaja is not convinced that he's played well enough in England over time either. So they've both got a lot to prove at the top of the order. Then we go into our right-handers who have been solid. Then Travis Head, if there's a platform laid for him, he he sort of plays very aggressively. Um, and and Alex Carey can do either. He can he can sort of shore things up, or he can he can tee off. Um, so yeah, I I, I like it. Um, we probably miss a number eight batter type coming up now in your in your bowlers, Smitty. That was uh, that was going to be Pat Cummins, but his batting form seems to have really disappeared on him. Uh, so we'll put him in there. Yep. Uh, obviously, Mitch Stark, um, and uh, then of course you go to Scotty Bowlin and Nathan Lyon. Nathan Lyon's batting's improved a, a wee bit as such, but that's pretty much it, isn't it? That, that's the eleven. Yes, I'd say so. Um, exactly right, um, and. There's enough play and there's enough freshness in that. A couple of the boys have been in, in county cricket. Uh, a few of them have been in the IPL. But these teams are assembling from all around the world, aren't they? So that, they're going to need to adjust very quickly to the patience of test cricket. What do you remember about the oval? What are you expecting from the oval pitch? Um, uh, we remember it's quite high, isn't it? It fits up high on the ground and then it... Mm. sort of slopes down to the slips cordon and the keepers. So balls tend to carry through nicely. Uh, pace early, and early in this summer, um, the reports have been that it has been very quick. Um, and and then we've been knocked over there a couple of times through spin. So getting spun out late in the match. Um, Tufnell um, has got us a couple of times, I think. Um, and then nagging medium paces who landed on the spot late in the match. So that will come into India's hands. So it's a, it's probably the purest contest we'll ever see uh, between Australia and India. There's not the raging turn uh, right the way through the match of in, an Indian test, and there's not the unusual high and pacey bounce uh, that you get in Australia, for example, in Perth. So I think this is a wonderfully matched test. Right, let's look at uh, what you expect from India then. Uh, they've got a new skipper and relatively new skipper, I say, in Rohit Sharma. Uh, then we look at a top six where, where for me, Pajaras are given at three, Kohli at four. But I, I'm battling. I, I, I mean, your side is so easy to pick. I can't really formulate my head around India's final makeup. Yes, um, well, Shulman Gill goes in at two with Rohit Sharma, and hasn't he stepped up? He's just, he's a freak. He's the next Kohli, probably. Um, and, and they've put Rahane back in the squad, and I, I think he'll go in at five. Uh, little Rajinka uh, Rahane. Uh, um, so, and he's in good form and come into good form in the T20. And then the, the one position they can't decide on, Smithy, seems to be the keeper. Is it going to be Ishan mm-hmm. Kishan or Barat, KS Barat? Who, who, so they'll be number six. And then they've got Jadeja and Ravi Ashwin, who can bat seven and eight. Uh, I think they have to leave Axar Patel out, who was who sort of won them the series with the bat against Australia in India, because that leaves three spots for the quicks, uh, which they'll need up front at the Oval, I'd imagine. So 
and they've got Mohammed Shami, Siraj, and Thakur over there. Um, but no Bumrah, he's still out. Um, so, so that fast bowling attack with two spinners and a top six will be the makeup, I'm assuming. Tactically, then, I look at that and I, I try to uh, visualise um, oval pitches. And I, like you, I've, I can see it quite clearly. And generally speaking, it's bat first for you. Definitely, um, and and try to and try to bowl last. Yeah, um, I it will, well or bat well enough to get them out twice uh, after a good first innings total. So yeah, very good batting wicket. You might have to get through fifteen or twenty minute adjustment period when you start your innings, and then it, flat batting, and then spins late in the match. So. You know, both both teams have got uh, you know players suited to those conditions. It's going to be good. It's only the second edition of the World Test Championship final, uh, Heels, and you've got the Ashes, as you say, as soon as uh, next week. Where does it sit? You feel for uh, former Australian cricketers like yourself. Where does it sit for the Australian cricket fan? The World Test Championship. I, I wouldn't say it's very high. But I think it will become that way. It's certainly lifted even since the last time. And Australia has sort of verbalised its great desire to uh, be on top of the Test match rankings. And, and now there's a final that's uh, required, if that's what you want to do. So it's certainly high on the Australian players' um, list of, of achievements. Um, it, it's a bit of a pity it's so closely butted up against the Ashes. But but that's it's it's a six test in eight week period for the Aussies, so there's going to be some injuries um, we we assume. But yeah, it's high in the players, not so high in the the public's eyes just yet. But getting there. Right. Let's uh, look at a couple of aspects then of the Ashes. Then uh, whilst we've got your heels, if we can, and that is uh, England yeah. without Jack Leach. I won't say he's uh, anywhere near the quality or the experience of a Nathan Lyon, but he certainly was England's number one spin bowler. Um, and now they're yep. um, in the crossroads of trying to call back veterans or trying to invent one. Where, how do you think this will play out? No Jack Leach. It, it's unbelievable. Well, Jack Leach has uh, uh, responded very well to baseball too. That, that's where he sort of uh, freed his mind up and his game and, and strategies up. But so they'll miss him. But what, a, what an indictment on the English game, Smith. I've just had a bit of a dip on the breakfast show over here that there's 18 counties there and county programs and pathways, and the best they've got is Joe Root might be the spinner. He's got 54 test wickets. Um, Liam Dawson, who's hardly been seen, or, or recalling Moen Alley, who doesn't want to be there. Where, where, the, where are all the spinners? So, so yeah, that, they're the three that they keep tipping, and um, they have approached Mo and Ali, um, and they'll probably try to use him, you know, try to get him, suck him in by sort of saying, "Come on, you've got a bit of unfinished business against Australia. Um, let, let's improve your record a bit." But we'll see. He's in good form, and he's a good player. But that's mainly T20 these days, and uh, see if he wants to get the red ball back in his hand. So, so yeah, that, that's how I see that. I, I really see. Joe Root being one of the best options I've got. Mm, very interesting, particularly, of course, um, with a wealth of left-handers uh, and the Australian side. We know if you look all the way down there. The other interesting selection for me, although a lot of people would say it was a natural, not so for me as a former glove man, 
was a selection of Johnny Bairstow over the top of Ben Folk, so I think it's probably uh, glove work wise one been one of England's best they've found for a while. Yep, yeah, they just they cannot settle on a keeper, can they? He, he's been pretty handy and stoic with the bat when they've needed it as well. Um, so yeah, you know, gone um, Bairstow. He's not a reluctant keeper, but it's a big recovery for him, isn't it? Like he was sort of lucky to walk after breaking his leg, slipping on a golf course. So he, it's a great recovery. Um, he, he really tightens their batting up. It makes their batting lineup brilliant. Um, but the bowlers are going to have to toil a little bit, especially if the Australians get through the early spells of of those fast men like Stuart Broad uh, to our left-handers. And that's when a wicketkeeper gets stressed, you know, and, and they don't, then don't need to be dropping anything and letting their bowlers down. So it's a big ask for Bairstow, and uh, folks would have been better at it, but uh, let's see how they go. Yeah, they, they regularly, and over the last 30 years, have been so impatient with their wicketkeepers. What I like about the series is I don't think, uh, given fine weather, there's going to be a draw because of the attitude of both sides. Yeah. I mean, Australia usually play very much front foot cricket, but this is an England side who are hell-bent at going at the world, it seems, at 100 miles an hour. This will be, for me, their biggest test against a quality bowling attack. Yes, it will. Um, it, I think they'll take a leaf out of New Zealand's book. In the, the last, what, hour and a half of that last test at, at, um, in Wellington, it was just short stuff. Eh? You want to swing it. You want to have a, a swing at our short stuff. Uh, that's Pat Cummins, Scott Boland and Mitch Stark. Go for it. You know, that... They're up against history as well as the opposition, aren't they? That that you can do that consistently well over long periods. So, so Australia will have some weapons to fire. Ben Duckett, who made uh, double hundred the other night uh, against Ireland, he's saying that that, and they're all saying he just loves wit, you know. So, so no one really likes wit totally, do they? That it can be dangerous to swing hard at wide balls. So Australia will dabble there too, making sure the wide balls are of the right length um, so that he has to swing on the up and take some risks. But, um, yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll play around there. It, it is going to be uh, a good clash, them coming at us. Ollie Pope walking out of his crease at fast bowlers, just taking them on. You, you know, Kerry Packer used to say, Smithy, as you know, that if someone does that to a fast bowler, someone walks out of their crease at a fast bowler, they've got to take their helmet off. <laughs> but these batsmen, especially the basketball boys, they are bulletproof and like they're wearing armour and just coming at you. So it's risky, but it's been successful. It has been successful, and I think by and large very, very good for the image and, and the way the game is played. Not everywhere, but yep. uh, the way they wanted to play. Hey, now, just finally, Heels, um, the Warners are never very far from the headlines, and once again on the eve of a World Test Championship, David Warner has outlined to the rest of the world his intention on how he wants the end of his career to pan out, and that is a retirement, walking off the SCG uh, at some stage next January and saying, thank you very much, folks, it's been fun. Straight into the commentary box, I understand. But that uh, will rely very much on David Warner's form, I would um, imagine. So, um, <laughs> and on current, on current take, I would imagine that's quite a wishful plan. Yes, I think it is, and it'll be great if he can make that plan. But he also wants the, the World T20 tournament, uh, the World Cup, after that Sydney test. That'll finish his test career, then the World T20. What he has forgotten is the one-day World Cup. 
in October and November. So there's a lot of cricket to play. And, and last summer he said, I'm, I'm going match by match. Well, now he's not. He's going. He's setting the plan for everyone, thinking that might that might stop the media asking, but it won't. It'll be a match by match question that he'll cop from the media. Um, I, I haven't heard this word before, Smitty, but I read it in our papers today. Quivical. You know how? Have you heard that? No, wicket keeper, mate. Sorry, no, no I haven't. Too, no, too many syllables. We've only heard. We've only heard unequivocal, haven't we? Right. Mm. So the selector, mm. George Bailey, and the coach, Andrew McDonald, have been quivocal on the selection of David Warner any further than this World Test Championship final. You know, if you know, normally we'd say that's unequivocal, he's playing the first two Ashes tests. But they've been yep. quivocal. So, you know, it's, it's match by match, mate, simple as that. Hills, uh, always fantastic to catch up with you. you uh, your Ashes prediction then? I haven't even thought of the venues. and uh, Look, I'm worried that England haven't got enough bowling strength. I'm going to go... Uh, uh, how many tests are there? Five. I'm, I'm mm. going 3-1 Australia. I, I just worry Ben Stokes is not going to give the, give enough with his injury um, to his knee with the ball, you know, and it's going to be hard for a lot of things. So I, without him, he, he's a freak. But 3-1 uh, Australia. Yeah, I think Cameron Green's going to be a massive factor in this and in, in Australian cricket going forward. Um, your favourite Ashes memory for yourself personally? What what was your favourite victory you feel? You feel? Uh, I think our, my very first one, 1989, Headingley. We were the worst team. We shouldn't be winning. England had beaten us all through the 80s and we surprised ourselves, mate. You know, at lunchtime on day five, it was like a party in our dressing room and we only had them one down. It was just that we weren't going to lose. They needed 400 runs or something in the day and we had them one down and we were partying. And and then when you have that attitude and mindset, the next session we got six wickets and then, then the third session we thought, geez, how do we do that? How do we close out a game? We don't know how to do this. We, we took ages to get the last three wickets but got it done. That, that test, I reckon, was a surprise to all of us and probably a turning point in Ashes cricket for, for our generation. Um, so the very first one at Headingley where we, we surprised a lot. Good on your heels. Great memories. Uh, great um, thoughts too. Great visions on uh, how you think uh, this might play out going forward. Such an And I think a very important time for Test cricket as well as people ask the question about its longevity. This is absolutely massive. Yeah. This World Test Championship, the Ashes putting it right up there, front and centre again, where it belongs. Hills, uh, have a terrific day, and thanks so much for your time, mate. Catch up soon, eh? You're welcome, Smitty. See ya. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Ian Healy, one of the greats of Australian cricket, there is no doubt. Uh, his glove work with uh, Shane Warne, I mean, his experiences, you just heard one delivery there. His experiences keeping to the greatest leg spinner in the history of the game, working out a relationship there, watching his hand, his wrist, trying to work out the plan uh, between them, the number of conversations you had, mid-over, etc. There's a great uh, YouTube video you'll see of uh, where they got a wicket last ball, last ball of uh, the day of a day's play when nothing much had happened. Uh, with one ball to play, Healy walks down the wicket to warn. They have a conversation. Um, everyone thinking, what are they going to come up with here? What they were talking about was really it was who's going to buy the first beer in the house bar when they got back to the hotel. That was really the gist of the conversation. But they actually said to the world, we've got something up our sleeve here. What happens? Warren gets a wicket last ball. 
Absolutely amazing. Though that is uh, an interview in itself, the relationship between Ian Healy and Shane Warne, uh, who he would be missing ever so greatly, and we will miss too in this coverage of this Test match. He won't be part of it. It's 11.24. Thanks. Bring home the Web yeah, Alice Cup for the fourth time. You can follow all the action with live commentaries um, and much more on yeah, ECNZ. It starts we'll September that, yeah. 9, the All Blacks against France. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Matt optimistically has come in and said surely a draw or a tie and test uh, championship final means we keep it on a count back <laughs> yeah Matt uh, the old count back that'll never ever leave the history of New Zealand cricket uh, will it after 2019 it's about time we won something on a count back Matt you're dead right there um, Smithy says Craig I wonder if the Australian cricket team or the fans could pick a world test championship win or a win in the ashes which would they pick if they could uh, only have number one or only have one. Uh, look, great point, but I think Heels, in terms of where they're thinking at the moment, would say the Ashes, um, because uh, this is still in its infancy, this World Test Championship as such. Significance of it is big to the players, because it's a result of a lot of hard work over a long period of time, and a, a lot of success. Uh, but, uh, Craig, at the moment, uh, because they're so close together as well, if they're further isolated, further isolated, um, because there's an equal amount of media for the Ashes as there is for the World Test Championship. But if they were isolated more so, uh, the Ashes wasn't following, I would say this would be a massive draw card for the Australian cricket fans as such, and it would have perhaps a little bit more meaning. It's just this one in particular perhaps is uh, battling a wee bit. Rightio, uh, 0800 Let's get on the phone, shall we? 0800 It is time to uh, stump Smithy for the first time this week for me. Uh, and uh, a bonus bet from the TAB for $50 is up for grabs. Brian's waiting for your calls. Louis be uh, the quiz master this morning. Uh, let's see uh, who's uh, going to win, thee or me. It's 11.30. Here is Aroha. Ball coverage of the World Test Championship final between India and Australia from 9 tomorrow night on SCNZ or the SCNZ app. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, let's not forget that uh, the World Test Championship and the Ashes uh, live here, ball by ball on SCNZ. Play by play now, though, is uh, about Stump Smithy. Uh, Louis is uh, sitting down there in Christchurch as the questionnaire. Brian has sorted out uh, some of our callers. Louis, uh, over to you. Yeah, right. We've got Billy in Auckland on the line. G'day, Bill. How you doing? Good morning, Louis. Good morning, Smithy and Brian. All good? You guys? Yes. All good, man. Yeah. All very good indeed. How was your long weekend, mate? Yeah, good Smithy. Got out on the golf course. Only managed to scratch yeah. around to I think ninety. It's to the handicap. Bit rusty, but uh, where, good where to get out. Where'd you play? Where'd you play? Uh, Muraway, Muraway in oh, Auckland. It's, um, it's, uh, it's you can still see the devastation, but um, the course is um, you know holding up really well there, Smithy. It's, it's worth a go. Because there's always. Always a bit because it's a links course so close to the ocean and, and patches, uh, Billy. There's always the thought too that uh, you know with a bit of erosion, etc., it's under threat. So it's it's in great shape, Murawai. Yeah, it is. Look, it, it's been redesigned. I can't remember the last time it was, but you, you look at the uh, the photos in the clubhouse there, and it's, I think it's been redesigned twice. A couple of the holes might have come away. So um, yeah, there you go. 
Uh, oh, cool. Right. Okay, let's get stuck into this. Uh, Billy, uh, Louis, what is the the options this morning for Billy? Yeah, quit stalling, Billy. Um, no, it's very good to hear. It's good to hear okay. that mirror is going good. Hey, you've got uh, football, hockey, or baseball, mate? Oh, jeez. Um, it has to be football, but I'll get shown up here big time, guys. Look forward to it. The All-Whites were lucky enough to qualify for the FIFA World Cup Finals in 2010, but unfortunately didn't make it out of their group stage. How many goals did the All-Whites score over their three group matches? Oh, I can visualise both of them. Uh, Winston Reid got one from memory. Or was it the... uh yeah, I can, I can see him. Uh, I want to say two, Louis. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Bloody hell, Louis, you said two. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you picked that up, Billy. I'm, I was worried for you for a second there. You were going to miss the most obvious leg up in the history of Stumped. And Smithy is absolutely seething at me there. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it is two. <laughs> All right. No, that's it. That's it from me. Uh, <clears throat> the EPL was won by Manchester City with Erlen Haaland scoring 36 goals to lead the league. Who scored the second most goals in the Premier League this season, Billy? Oh, no idea. Uh... I want to say, I'll, look, I'll just put Harry Kane out there, but it won't be him. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh, real? Right in the slot, <laughs> and away it goes. Just kidding. <laughs> no, kidding. Oh, one, one Harry Kane, there's only one Harry, one Harry Kane. Very good. Oh, he's Very a good, good lad. Good. Hey, <laughs> yes, actually. He's a good. He won't be a good Ange, lad if he goes to Manchester United, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, Ange Podglacosta will be thinking that he's hoping he doesn't. Um, that's very interesting. Is the Australian in charge of your. Boys, Smithy. Mm, not going to happen. Not going to happen. So there you go. Uh, Rightio, uh, let's get into question three. Right, this is it. Who's the most capped or wide of all time? Simple. Jeez, uh, he's that defender. Ryan Nelson. One of the worst things I have Ooh. ever seen done on a cricket field. Wow. The most capped all white of all time. You see, that's an interesting one because they don't play as much now as they used to, and they never used to play much either. Um, so you <laughs> have to play a long period of time to get the most caps. The most caps, it's, it's got to be a very obvious one, and it's eluding me at this point. I'm going to say Danny Hay. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, dearie me. You did all the hard work between you. Do you want another crack, Smithy? No, it's going back in time, is it? Going back in time? No, it's not really. The Godfather. Isn't that what they call him? Ivan Winton. No. Ivan Ivan Vesilich. He played in that era where they played quite often for a very long period of time. He was a defender. 88 tests. There you go. Ivan. They don't have tests in football, Louis. Get your head around it, will you? They have matches. Internationals, they call them. 
Good God. Okay. Anyway, I think out of the three of us, Billy, to be fair, Louis knows the least. Uh, so, therefore, the good news is you, you have won. You have won this contest, uh, and you are the benefactor of the first uh, $50 voucher for us uh, from the TAB this week. Uh, Billy, have a good one, man. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for the TAB. All good, guys. <laughs> yeah, cheers. No, no worries, Billy. Smithy's lashing Tests. out. Tests. Yeah, real good. Yeah, excellent expertise there. You are the so and too good of our quizzes. I can promise you that. Money or the bag, Louis. Money or the bag. So, so we got a text coming in saying, "Bring back the good oil punters club." That's what they think of you. Oh, it's actually probably the kindest text we've had in a while. We got a collection of the last punters club for a while on the weekend. People seem to think that the good oil show itself is disappearing of Saturday afternoons. No, we'll still be around, fortunately or unfortunately, depending who you are. Uh, but it's just our punters club's on hiatus for a while while the TAB figure out what they're going to do, obviously going through um, some seismic change in that department at the moment. So we had one last crack at it, and shocking Penny got up in the last at Avondale when everybody made about 88 bucks themselves for just texting. So it was a good way to send it off. Isn't that ironical? Shocking Penny, when Rob Penny has been the uh, talking point of the show this morning including this text from Lachlan that says, G'day, lads, on Penny's appointment, I think it comes as a shock. This is interesting. <laughs> it's no secret that he didn't perform in Japan or Australia. In Japan, the team he coached was relegated from the top comp, and when he coached the Waratahs, he had a record of seven wins out of 29 games, and this was during COVID when they were mainly playing Aussie teams. When you scratch beneath the surface, it could be worrying times for the Saders. That's Lachlan. He's done his homework there on the stats. Um, a very, very interesting perspective. It is 11.40. Uh, when we come back, we'll see if Louis can handle the sports desk a little bit better than Stump Smithy. Rugby World Cup is coming to SENZ. We'll have live commentary of all the biggest games, the All Blacks, Irish, French and more, right here. Can we bring the Web Alice Cup home? Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Well then, uh, let's get across here where Louis Herman Watt has uh, been uh, polishing up on his pronunciations and I understand, uh, let's go to uh, football to begin with. You've got some uh, terrific news for Tottenham Hotspur fans, Louis. Well, I guess it is. I don't want to tell them what it is or isn't, but Celtic boss Ange Postikoglu, who actually, of course, was in charge of Australia for a period of time when they played a number of international matches in this part of the world and around the world and he obviously coached in the A-League um, he's your new manager at Tottenham and it's a two year contract he's 57, he's been there at Celtic and he completely rebuilt them after they were going through a little period of uncertainty, led them to two Scottish titles and um, did the domestic treble this time around so he's obviously got the pedigree recently, he's had an enormous rapid rise through the footballing world because he was coaching, I think he coached the Raw, uh, he coached up in Japan, then he went up to yeah, Scotland and now he's in charge of Tottenham who 
whether you like it or not, are one of the biggest football clubs in the world. So um, amazing, really, for an Australian. Well, at least some surety for Tottenham, who had a terrible time with their coaches, and it reflected in the way that they tapered off in the end, towards the end of the season. They just lost all, uh, I think, all trust. They lost all mo- momentum. They just, uh, you know, apart from the odd great performance from Harry Kane and, and co, um, you know, out of the box, they really lost all their rhythm in terms of their leadership. Uh, so his first job... And his first job will be to try and uh, make sure that Harry Kane stays with Tottenham because there's a big bully going on that uh, Manchester United are hot on his heels. Uh, people in Manchester United, some are saying, well, why do we want a veteran uh, like that? Let's go overseas and get a Haaland-type person. Um, but um, you know, you've got to have the, um, <coughs> the freight for that. You've got to have uh, the kind of personnel to go after. Uh, a lot of those uh, veterans and Harry Kane's getting into that bracket now are going to places like Saudi Arabia, etc., been taking the big money. So we'll just uh, see um, in terms of uh, of that where where that goes and keeping continuity within Spurs. But great news, I think they've got a good, stable, achieving manager at the helm. Uh, Benzema contract you allude to and off to Saudi is absolutely eye-watering you thought Live Golf was on a, another level as far as the contracts being offered there's too many zeros to actually count there the, obviously the French Open rolls on and it's a massive night tonight with quarterfinals in Paris Novak Djokovic gets Kashinov who will be uh, well it should be a really good game actually it should be a really 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 nice matchup quarter to 12 that's the first one for the men's and then uh, it's Alcaraz versus Pass. that'll be blockbuster and as you mentioned Casper Ruud versus Rune is a very 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 good um, six versus four seed and two young guys that have got big futures in the sport that's the men's side of the draw our man uh, last week told us to watch out for both of those names um, on the women's side it's so good and so refreshing to see a, a grand slam where so many of the top seeds are still in it at the point of end so you've got Sabalenka she's going to be very hard to stop you've got the Coco Goff Svatek um, quarter final and Jabir as you pointed out earlier so it's just so refreshing to see a woman's draw with all the best players at a point into the tournament. Yeah, it is, actually. Um, and um, as we were talking about with a couple of our tennis pundits, um, a lot more excitement uh, he feels about um, uh, the women's draw and the women's side of women's tennis at the moment, which is uh, absolutely fascinating. So I look forward to that. I really do. And uh, I, I would be thinking um, that, uh, for me, it's going to go to, I'll, I'll say this, I'll, I'll take my punt now. Djokovic, Djokovic, Schwiantek. That's my double. Djokovic, Schwiantek. Don't know what you'll get on that, that multi now, but uh, that would be me, I think. Djokovic uh, will win, uh, and he'll become the greatest of the greats when it comes to stats. And I will also be thinking that, um, yeah, that, that would be uh, Schwiantek, just to lay down Mazir. That good. That's superior. I love it, Smithy. Can we just get, um, before we, we do shoot off and we finish uh, with the sports desk with Polaris, whose field day specials are on now, get up to 2,500 free accessories on Polaris Rangers. Can we just get your official ranking of who you'd like to have a beer of, beer with? Um, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, how we'll throw Andy Murray in there. Could you just power rank those for your, you know, a Wednesday afternoon at the loading ramp? Yeah, uh, very little chance that any of those four guys will, will come into the loading ramp, um, particularly on a Wednesday afternoon. They're much more likely to be in there on a Friday afternoon, I would have thought, uh, those guys. But 
uh, it, let's look at uh, Djokovic. Perhaps not. Perhaps not. Uh, I don't really think that um, the Joker would be a stand-up around the table, have a chat sort of guy with. I think Roger would be. I, I kind of think Roger would be. I, I think Roger would be very, very good. Um, at uh, just seems a sort of a layback sort of a dude to me. So I think he'd fit in our mix. Bit, bit um, polite though. No, I think it's a, there's a bit of devil and um, a bit of devil and Rods the Fed. Um, okay, let's uh, look at uh, Rafa. Rafa. I think Rafa. I think Rafa would fit in around the table. Yeah, drink left-handed. I would say so. That would be cool. I, I would be thinking he'd handle the lager pretty well as well, and, and he'd have a story or two to tell. Andy Murray's an interesting one um, because uh, by the end of the night he'd probably have a fight with one of our guys. You know, you know, because he's such a headstrong sort of a dude, and most of our guys are as well. They don't take a backward step. So, uh, so probably for that, for that in itself, Andy Murray. For that in itself, I'd like to see a conversation with Andy Murray and some of our locals. That would be a, a, a real good one. In fact, that's a great subject. If, uh, we could perhaps uh, do that tomorrow. Actually, if you had the opportunity to invite a bloke to stand at your table at the pub with all your mates, etc. Very blokey thing, this, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> who would the sporting person in the world like to be? Some some blokes might like to, if it was tennis, my, someone may want to go someone like um, perhaps a, a corner cover, perhaps. Maybe uh, someone of that nature <laughs> might sit in. Nick Kyrgios. How about Nick Kyrgios? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have... I'd like to play with darts with Nick Kyrgios. Just a couple of schooners with, uh, with Nick Kyrgios. Well, that's not a bad subject. Who, if you, if, if, who would you like to have standing at the table, chewing the fat over a couple of pints um, at your table at the boozer? Maybe that's a tomorrow subject to text in. Uh, anyway, it's definitely plenty of subjects to talk about this afternoon. He always does. Uh, we'll find out what he's got up his sleeve very shortly. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. <laughs> Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at SCNZ underscore radio. Thinking of watching?